All right. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I I, uh, I had this list of basics that I jotted down that I thought, you know, at some point we should probably try to uh, address these things. Right. Because I think I'm. Like language we keep using or themes that we keep circling. Yeah. That's cool. Like what? Uh... <laughs> I don't know. There's like, I just had this sort of little check. It's like, is this sort of some navel gazing that I'm getting into? It's like, hmm, we need to clarify. I think it's useful, but I'm trying to figure out why do I think it's useful? Well, I mean, words are slippery. I don't know. Um, it's hard. Most of the things we talk about are symbolic or metaphoric. All things important are like that. And the word, there's so many words that I use that I don't like, but I can't think of other ones like God or spirit or soul or spiritual or psycho-spiritual. And but I, I, know, I don't know. I feel like I just have to keep using them and keep uh, working toward what I mean by that stuff. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it feels like we're fumbling toward meaning, fumbling toward ecstasy. Wait, that's Sarah McLaughlin. Speaking of 90s, <laughs> what an album. That is a great album. <laughs> Too bad she went and did those commercials for like uh, rescuing dogs. I mean, this but, song is about heroin, but now it also applies to dogs. I, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm going to give Sarah the space to grow and evolve and feel that there might be something in rescuing a dog that's more meaningful than her entire music career. Because I think that can... <laughs> oh, come on. I think come that on. can happen. No. No. All right. Um, yeah, speaking... <laughs> Speaking you brought of the, up the '90s a minute ago when I was playing the when I was playing the ukulele. You said I played quote I played the ukulele like an like I was a worship leader from the '90s. Yeah, and that every, every time you hear me play an instrument, it reminds you of worship songs from the '90s. I mean, I don't know yeah. how to take that. That's like, <laughs> I mean, I can't think of a worse genre of music personally than '90s worship music, and somehow my musical ability takes you sucks you right in. Right back to the 90s. I don't know how many people can connect to, like, having to sit through youth group, um, you know. Or like my playing. Services. Not your playing. But just in general, like, the whole, that whole, uh, you know, that dynamic um, entity that is targeting teenagers and adolescents in the, you know, <laughs> evangelical church. That can, uh, and so everybody, I think, has some sort of reference to either sitting in the service because they were the ones that were um, super excited about going there, or it's sitting there because they were pulled there by somebody who was super excited about going. But there is, there's like this proverbial white guy with a guitar that gets up on stage, and there's something, that, it's like a strumming pattern. It's like. <laughs> Better. It is totally a strobing pattern. But the acoustic guitar starts playing, yeah. and then it's time for everybody to like, like, like sway a little bit. Yeah. And then there's like the, like, um, yeah, there's like a cadence. So you'll do like an upbeat one where it's like, I'm yours, Lord. And it's kind of like, let's all celebrate 
singing about God, and then it like chills out. <laughs> it's like, um, wait, I, I don't know what's what, what's one you you played. I, I it, don't want to think about this anymore. <laughs> but, I, mean, I don't. Why, why can't you go back there, Ken? What are you avoiding? <laughs> I'm avoiding the past. I'm avoiding. There, there are some things I, that don't have to be included, and that and that's one of them. Can you like can, can you can you name like one of those like slow down songs where it's like, all right, now we're going to get reflective. The lights are low. Some of us no, are going to close our eyes. Th- Others of us are going to look around at all the different people closing their eyes. I think I think God has freed me eyes. from that. He, I have like a block. There's a block that, <laughs> that comes down. He's God is protecting me from <laughs> from what you did for God. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so weird on so many levels. <laughs> oh man! Wait, there's a famous there. There's a oh, I can't think of the mystic. It's not Meister Eckhart, but it it's one of those one of those dudes. He's like, save me from my image of you, or something like that. Save me from my. I was gonna say idea, but it's not like that. Save me from my image of you, which is like such an odd prayer. Save me from my misconceptions. Anyway, I didn't mean to get all of a sudden serious. I just did the the. I did did, did exactly what we were describing. We started off something funny, and then we were singing Pharaoh, Pharaoh, and then, and we, then we went in, then, we, we, then we went straight into straight to the mystics. Um, open the eyes of my yeah, heart. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> that is a, yeah. Uh, just the voices now. Just right the now, there's three people that are laughing hysterically, and everyone else is like, "This is an inside joke that I totally." Yeah cannot connect with or but i think that i think that probably many many more people at some point in junior high or high school do this sort of checking out of like i don't know this person keeps telling me i gotta go to church with them and yeah it sort of whips up this kind of um perfect for adolescence but i i will know who i am by what group i'm associated with so if there's like a group field a group energy field it's like it works you know yeah. i mean it's like oh yeah i'm I'm in the even if you're like sort of coming in with your fingers crossed or whatever, it's it sort of sucks you in. Um, and the, the funny thing, I don't know why we're still talking about worship music. I'm so annoyed, but <laughs> I, that's, I think that's why we're still talking about it because I can tell that it's like this, uh, like uh, yeah, this itch that you do not <laughs> want to to acknowledge. There's something happens. genuine about it too. Yes. And, and and I and and by the and, way, I and mean, the worship leaders, you know, and there's something genuine. And and I always felt when I back when I was doing music, and apparently I was just doing '90s version of music. Um, <laughs> back when I was employed by the church to be a quote professional musician, um, I th- I think I always felt that something was going on that was more important than the sermon. And maybe I've just, yeah, there's like a, I'm, what I'm doing is more important than what Rob is doing. <laughs> That's probably, probably what I, some of that was going on. But what I meant was like, there's some kind of like um, emotional and maybe even spiritual intelligence that is activated that is richer, deeper, more nuanced, subtle, and unconscious than an idea that's presented, even yeah. a great idea. Like here's a great idea with an awesome visual to, to, and then like right. some crazy words. You're like, Whoa. Yeah. But you're sing when you're singing a song, it's like, 
it is working on the unconscious. It's like an level. altered state. It's an altered state. You're not doing it with the thinking mind anymore. Exactly. You're experiencing something with something else, like a, yeah. emotions or... Yeah, and that's what's weird about it because, you know, you can't help it. Like, there are even songs that I absolutely despise. Like, if you were to say, do you like the... That I was playing. Like, do yeah. you like this song? No, I do not like this song. I don't like the melody line. I don't like the structure. And I don't like the theology. But playing it, live yeah. in a band with a community singing these words is awesome. It yeah. is totally awesome. Even if the, if, if I think to myself, the emotional content is doing one thing, the intellectual theological content is doing something else. That's harmful. Yeah. Like this is a, not to think, um, you know, I am like, terrible and and jesus is washing away my sins some kind of theme like that i think this is not good for me or anyone else but there's also something good about it. there's something like um i don't know there's something collective connect there's a some kind of collective connection that's happening that cannot be replicated. I don't think it can yeah. even be replicated if you go see the Arcade Fire with all your favorite Arcade Fire friends because everyone's like, this is freaking awesome. Yeah. But in like in the communal singing, you don't have that kind of connection with everybody's an Arcade Fire fan. You right. know? It's, right. It doesn't work like that. This is – I'm really loving this. Okay. Okay. Because I actually think what we're kind of – we're in the same space that we were – before we went off on this rabbit hole of worship music, because it's the same thing of like, uh, you know, we were talking about using words to try to describe something that's totally, um, that feels like it's beyond words. So you use words as kind of like these connectors or these hooks to see like, okay, can I get to that? Mm -hmm. And I think music is the same, but not just music. Cause what you're describing is that whole thing of like, I'm in a room full of people and, and we're all going to open up our, mouths and start singing songs which is kind of you know in itself sort of vulnerable and some people you might even start moving their bodies and so there's kind of like a i'm going to i'm going to feel something out loud with other people around and we're doing it together and it is beautiful and i i mean i i, I don't want to sound like i i feel like i'm afraid i came off as really cynical i i, I i'd be interested to go into first of all acknowledging there's two things going on simultaneously, at least, right? There's the um, allowing yourself to get into the realm that's really hard to put into the words. Let's say it's the spiritual realm. It's the feeling of there's something much bigger um, that I can't wrap my you know thinking brain around. But I can feel it, and I can sense it, and there's something going on, and I'm loving that. And... Uh, this vocabulary word that you threw out that I've been wanting to get into for a while now, um, psychic abuse can be happening <laughs> simultaneously yeah. with the actual content or the messages mm -hmm. that are coming through, you know, that are sort of like the, the, the stair steps to the feeling are these words that you're, you know, I'm rambling, but it's like, well, it's a form of transcendence. It's a, it's a, an, it's an accessible pathway to transcendence. And I don't mean it, you know, like you're in some sort of yogic trance. I just mean that who you think you are, like the, the, the ego persona that you came in with yeah. and you came in from the parking lot. And if you have kids, you were yelling at them or you're like, sit up straight or, 
or you you know you're you're a little bit nervous and you're like fiddling with the bulletin and the music starts and something about it takes you out of that persona. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you can have like an egoic persona of I'm the the guy or the girl who loves worship or singing or something like that. But I just mean like it, it takes you out of that and puts you in a collective. It puts yeah. you, it, you transcend your, your simple I personality and there's a collective we, and that's, uh-huh. that's something that when you leave church, there's a loss. There's and, a loss around that kind of stuff. There really is. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, I mean, cause here's some things. Sometimes the real value of what's going on is kind of happening at, at a subconscious level mm-hmm. of an experience that I'm there to have that's transcendent. Mm-hmm. And it's not about the actual words that are coming out of the person's mouth on stage, nor is it about the words that are in the songs mm-hmm. that I'm singing. It's about like the sub sub thing that's happening when we all get together and the music's playing and we start singing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And back to kind of psychic abuse, it's it's something that can be easily manipulated. Now, and that's the thing I think that we were reacting to at the beginning, just around there's a certain formula with yeah. these kinds of experiences that is so easy to to do and to shape and to take people through in a kind of emotive, emotional yeah. experience. Also, to get some kind of conclusion out of it, to say, to manufacture a sort of, um, even what you're describing, like just think about something like, oh, we're happy, we're all here together singing, and then now I'm going to feel really bad about myself, and I'm going to get real serious about yeah. about how sinful I am, and then I'm going to sing songs about how you know whatever God fixes that to a certain extent, yeah. um, or I need to do certain things. Uh, in order to get right with God, like Lucinda Williams has that great song, Get Right With God, which is just like such a such a theme, a church theme. And, and I guess in my own life, you walk in there and then you're told you're not right with God and here's like the path to it. And that's what's right. sort of strange about these sort of – I don't know. When, you, when I was a kid, they always did altar calls at the end, which again, yeah. totally formulaic. Yeah. And – so the pastor gives the sermon, it's a really great sermon, and then he then he gets really to, he's like, now we need to talk about the real deal. Mm-hmm. And the real deal is I, it would break my heart if you left this place and you didn't, you weren't right with God because you might die in a car wreck or some other such. And right possible. now, as he's saying this, somebody's playing yeah, the, the keyboard the really softly. And, and, and you can't help it. There's something about the chord progression. You're like, oh my God, I feel something in my, in my, my chest, in my heart. Exactly. Just as I am, you know. Yeah, and it is, and it is kind of, um, and it's not. It's that, not it, disingenuous, right? Because we're not. It's not that we're being manipulated, like, um, like these. You know, it's like, not drinking like, the Kool Aid. Yeah, we're not like sheep, where it's just yeah. like somebody, you know, throws a rock, and all of a sudden the entire herd moves to the left. Um, there's something very genuine that's going on that's waking up, and there's something. That's being, I, maybe, I, I don't, I mean, I feel bad saying it. There's something that's being abused. It, it's like, it's almost like leading, well, so, something's waking up and it's ambiguous and it's hard to define, but it feels right. And then it's like, 
instantly the words come in and it's like, here's what you're feeling. You're feeling that you need to get right with God. You're feeling that you've gone off course. Mm-hmm. And now it's time to, you know, just go ahead and, uh, you know, <laughs> bring all that shame to the surface. Yeah. <laughs> Feel super bad. And guess what's going to happen? Jesus is going to be like a big sponge that's going to come down and just soak up all the shame. But if in order to have that happen, you got to get up here right now. You know, bow your heads. Yeah. How many of you feel like you're in this spot? Raise your hand. Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, even that, too, it's like then you and maybe some of you are feeling like um, you're afraid to come up. You're like, oh, my God, I'm afraid to come up. And that's exa- yeah. And, and and that the sort of dynamic, like, I don't know if I should or should not also gets captured in sort of the emotional yeah. tone of things. And then you feel like, well. I shouldn't if, question. Stop questioning whether I should or I yeah. should not, because I was just told because if you're I, if you're having the question, there is no question. Shut your eyes, raise your hand, do it right now. Yeah, yeah, and 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 oh, I feel resistant to going up, and therefore that's the very thing <laughs> that tells me I should go up. You know, it's, yeah. it's very strange, and yeah, and again, in, in terms of um, you know, psychic abuse sounds a bit strong, or or actually, I actually called certain. In my book, I called certain um, certain ways adults were treating children as a kind of child abuse, and I say that um, I say that, and I swallow hard at the same time because well, cause, I don't want to take away. You're, you're, I think the line is um, deliberate malicious intent. You know, De- deliberate taking advantage of my position of authority to get what I want, and then there's kind of almost like the undeliberate taking advantage of someone who's in a vulnerable spot to get what I want. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's, I that's think, sort of the what, space what that you're is. talking about, yeah. mm-hmm. which is like, it's not really excusable because you are supposed to, if you're going to take the mantle of a spiritual leader, it's kind of your responsibility to understand what these undeliberate yeah. things that are driving you are. Yeah. Uh, my wife uh, was, um, had me, uh, told me to read this article this week. She's in the living school with Richard Rohr, uh, Richard Rohr's living school. And they have just like this, all this tremendous reading, but, um, she gave me this article and I don't remember the person's name, but he was describing the difference between esoteric and exoteric or esotericism and exotericism, something like that. Esoteric by that, he meant experience kind of like way back to our worship music. Um, the, the, experience of being caught up in something that is a bit hard to define in terms of words. He's saying that the mystic or a mystical thing is an experience. It's the Mm -hmm. esoteric expression of religion. It can happen spontaneously outside of any kind of religious framework or context. It can happen when you're just, he, he actually says it often happens just in the most ordinary sense. You have a moments of union and oneness and, but all religions are pointing to that possibility. This is yeah. what he's saying. And, and Christianity too, like, um, like Jesus saying, I'm one with the father and I hope that you can be one with it. I hope you can have this kind of unitive mm. experience, not concept. Mm-hmm. But the other side of that is the, is the exoteric, like, like an exoskeleton, like the structure of religion itself. Yeah. And what does it care about? Doctrines, beliefs, borders, boundaries, um, and what's am- what's amazing is that in the middle of these super strong exoteric structures, you do have people that almost defy the odds and have these kind of esoteric mystical yeah. experiences, like like yeah. the writer of Leviticus, perhaps saying, "Love your neighbor as yourself." Where did that come from? Here he is, you know, penning a- penning away these very strict laws and has this kind of potentially 
experiential awareness of of the meaning behind all this stuff. But anyway, in this well, part, I, I was just thinking. I, I'm, not, I'm not. I might mean to like. If I'm cutting, feel that we can edit this stuff. If I'm cutting you off from something where you keep going, keep going. Um, no, I was thinking. Uh, you shared a Mary Oliver poem last week, and as you were talking, I was thinking about the opening lines of Wild Geese. Yeah. yeah I, I, I pulled it up on my phone because I'm not as good at uh, quoting things off the top of my head as you are, but I don't. do you have that off the top of your head? What's the first couple You words? do not have to be good. Uh, you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk uh, on your a knees. thousand miles on your knees repenting. Um, yeah, you, you only... I, I got it here. Okay, go. Uh, you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to love the soft animal of your body. You only have. Oh, you only have, have to, to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. That's what she says. Yeah, I feel, and I feel, I was like, in those four lines is the summary of like all religious traditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the funny thing is, it's like. It's almost like it's reaching the point of saying I've been because what she's saying there is you've been walking on your knees in the desert for hundreds of miles. And your framework is that's what it takes. Repenting, repenting, repenting. And it, the funny thing is, is it's kind of like it, 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 so many religions, it's like they, they present this sort of foundation of like, oh, well, here's what it is. And then they th- in, throw in those little like. In the book of Leviticus, love your neighbor as yourself. It's mm-hmm. sitting right there. It's also like, actually, <laughs> you know, some of this stuff is just trying to keep you from keep you from destroying yourself and your culture by just raging with your animal instincts. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, uh, my favorite, you know, Joseph Campbell moment when he's being interviewed by Bill Moyers. Bill Moyers says, but... Uh, you know, Joe, because he calls him Joe. He's like, Joe, what do these myths have to say about me? And Joseph Campbell goes, they're all about you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you died and to your animal instinct and resurrected as a new being? That's what the story is. Mm-hmm. It's not about somebody else. No, okay. And so here's a question I have, and I'm, and I'm, and I don't have. And there's the something answer. I do want to jump back into, but I, I'm, I'm just okay. making a note. But go for your question. And it has to do with this esoteric exoteric distinction, um, or if you want to say conventional post conventional, that'd be a Ken Wilber way of saying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, conventional forms and structures, and some post conventional forms and structures. Do you need one stuff? Do you oh, yeah. need? Do you need a conventional framework? And Ooh. in other words, what's the function of a religion? Do you need it? Because part of me says you don't need it. Right. Why not just go through the world opening yourself up to reality as it is? That's what the mystical uh, invitation is anyway. And and all the meaning, connection, and union is available to you at every moment, like Eckhart Tolle. It's only available in the now. It actually has absolutely nothing to do with religious structures and dogmas and practices and beliefs. Um, so part of me is drawn toward that. Mm-hmm. Get rid of it all. You know, the spiritual but not religious, that the problem is religion. Although, I don't know if that's the case because what, what, how the argument goes is that the, any religious structure, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, um, 
who knows other more obscure shamanistic mm-hmm. you know shamanism um all of those contain what do they contain they contain maps yeah they contain borders and structures and maps that get you going on the path all of my deepest questions come from the fact that i was raised inside a religious environment that told me things like there's ultimate meaning and that ultimate meaning is called god and we're supposed to to orient our lives around god well that put that was like a thorn in my flesh that got me going on those very questions even if i now have different answers or different uh, into in intuitions about how to answer those questions than i once did but i'm just saying what is the function of it do we need it or we do do we not need it and and if we go Maybe toward myths like yeah. I, of course i'm a huge fan of myths why do we need myths and stories because they're like a map you yeah. have to have maps that's part of being a meaning making conscious bipedaled human being okay but here's where it gets this is the this is the area i want to get into and cuz here's where it gets complicated okay so I can imagine, because I know a lot of these people, I can imagine that um, you and I, you know, go off um, <laughs> describing what it's like to be an adolescent walking into a, a church, you know, and listening to a worship service and the emotions get high and you're feeling something esoteric, you know, and you're loving the feeling. And then all of a sudden this message comes in, like what you're feeling is God calling to you. What God's calling to you is he's calling you away from all this sin and nastiness that you've been in. And what that means is you got to come up here and you got to have, you know, the experience where, um, you all of those sins are sponged up and taken away. And now you get to be with God, you know, all of that sort of stuff. I think there's a lot of people that relate to that and they can feel angry. Like, ah, I was manipulated, you know, by all of this sort of religious. And, and I think that that's where the tension is. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm cool with the abstract idea of like, okay, there's a map, but then there's also the thing of like, yeah, but there, when you see some maps are really unhelpful. Well, when you, yeah, when you see some that are that are that are manipulating and constantly, constantly in, in a weird way, they're embracing your shame. They're saying your shame is the thing that you need in order to know that you that you're away from God. Yeah, there will always be, and maybe that's the original sin misinterpretation. There is always the fall, mm-hmm. and at any point, you can derail off the track and now you're lost in the universe and you are like so far which is hysterical you know this omnipresent being that can just vanish yeah Uh, okay there there's something true about what you're saying i i agree (laughs) that if there were a way to communicate this this would be a, a monumental leap forward in terms of religious language but the word separation transcend and include, what does it point to? It points to, I think, that part of consciousness is recognizing on one level our separateness. That's part of the waking up of the egoic consciousness. I am not that. Mm -hmm. I am somehow separated from something. Or even if you want to take it... uh, into the realm of what happens to all human beings in the process of birth, there's some kind of separation. Mm-hmm. There's some kind of break. And, there, and, and that lives somewhere deep in the psyches. That, somewhere deep in the psyche, you know what the feeling of separation is. Mm-hmm. Now, all religion, 
and all spirituality is supposed to be communicating what you're describing, that mm -hmm. there is actually only a oneness yeah. to all things. Yeah. And the psychic separation is a kind of facade yeah. that uh, is part of the terror of just being a human being. So I, I hear what you're saying, but people feel separated, even if you're communicating yeah. to them. No, no, I, no yeah. and, that, and that's, and, and, but I think that that's exactly it, is it as rather than reinforcing, you know, maybe called reinforcing the shame that comes from that feeling of separation, mm -hmm. you're trying to do the opposite. You're trying to say, you feel this. The reality is this, yeah. you know, and, and, and the way that we're going to get to it is we're going to use some words and we're going to try Stories. to go in through the most recently evolved part of your brain, you know, which is the <laughs> yeah. language center. Yeah. And over many years, hopefully we're going to get further back and further back, you know, into the reptilian center where you, you're not, you know, that, that shame is not driving, is <laughs> not the thing that's driving the car of your existence. Um, and then... We get to start talking about soul at some point, you know, yeah. but it's like it's so hard um, if the entire if the entire ground that you walk on is at any point I can fall off this cliff and I'm separated from, you know, anything from oneness because that's all I know. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like we're just raising people um, to never 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 experience wholeness unless they experience it maybe you know in a feeling of singing a song inside of a church and then the moment they sit down they get that message reinforced right back you're separate yeah, <laughs> there's no such separate, thing as oneness you're separate you're separate and maybe we'll dangle a little carrot out there that when you die that'll all be fixed right right and that's like <laughs> all you got to do is get to the point that you die yeah exactly um yeah the flashpoint is that feeling of anger once you step out. Yeah. That feeling of, God, like, I was manipulated. I cheated. I, I was manipulated. And, and wrestling with, like, okay, a lot of people feel that way. And there's this innate sense of, like, the world does not have to be that way. You know, yeah, and I wonder, here's but I'm wonder. also but I'm also aware that, you know, the question, what do I do with my kids? I'm also aware that the construct mm -hmm. of the religion itself is not inherently trying to um, manipulate me and and make me betray my own values and betray a, a sense of of myself. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's the that's the really like foggy territory that we're walking through. Is there's something that is destructive, and we're un and we're having a hard time calling it out because it's happening in a marriage of something that is helpful and useful and even leading us into uh, a, like an esoteric space. And it's really hard. Like we're, you know, psychologically having a hard time separating those two things without like either going completely one way and just being like, shame's what it's all about. Or going completely the other way and being like, I'm never going back to that damn place. Those people were the worst to get it. Although there are certain religious environments in which that yeah. is exactly the reaction you should have. Yeah. Am you I, know, does I, that I, make sense? Yeah, it does. And here's just one thing I'm wondering about the kind of dawning that begins to happen in late adolescence, early adulthood around I've been cheated. I I don't, I wonder if that's, 
also this part of the 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 territory. Everybody goes through that, no matter if they're raised in a religious environment or not. Because I was thinking about a friend of mine who was raised in like almost a kind of commune of liberal inclusion, oneness, vast exposure to the natural world, um, multiple parents. I mean, he had his uh, physical parents, but also um, like the whole community was was raising him. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really progressive and innovative forms of education. And part of coming out of that, it seemed to me, and he, I suppose he still came out of it, was a sense of, I need to break from this. Hmm. Wander. Yeah. Get out of here. The world is not like this idyllic environment of, you know, mutuality yeah. and inclusion and and progressive education and oneness with nature. Life is more complex than this. In I don't know if he would say this, but I'm imagining in some ways I've been cheated. I've right. been and yeah. and so I don't know, I'm just trying to normalize it, I guess. Like, all right, yeah. yeah. Part of waking up is is going through the anger, mm-hmm. frustration, disappointment, challenging of old forms. If you're not, if if at some point I remember this a few years ago, um, I was asking um, a friend of mine how he felt about his dad. He's like, he's my best friend. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and he was pretty young at the time. And I thought, I wonder what that's going to be like in, you know, 10 years. Well, now 10 years later, I, I saw him the other day and, um, I don't know if he would use that exact phrase, but now something is dawning, like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Right. Yeah. It's the, it's the, there is something about, um, if you grow up within a system, you know, the system better than the people that adopted it in adulthood as, as the alternative to what they grew up in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, it, you wake up and say, Hey, I, that's not, that's not mine. That's not working for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not able to become who I am and I'm not going to be, I, I got to stop trying to be my dad or stop mm-hmm. trying to be my mom or stuff. And so it's like another cycle, you know, it's almost like a sailboat, like in order to go in a straight line, it has to go back and forth, yeah. you know, well, from left to okay. right. So this is what's striking me now. When one begins the transition from these metaphors, from first half of life to second half of life, I think one of the questions that begins to emerge right up from the soul, that's the way I would put it, the heart, is a desire to experience the truth. Right. And not not be, and which are in contrast to not be handed the truth. Not be handed it, not accepted it, not believe it. This isn't the story of someone else's spiritual experience or the story of someone else's spiritual awakening that I'm being handed. This is my story of my awakening. And part of what put you on that path is knowledge and awareness of there's a structure and there's an answer and there's a way that should be. And your, your experience should conform to that. And once you realize it's not really... Um, that's the, 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 this major step toward, um, the esoteric, Mm. even if you're, even if you wouldn't even say I've experienced the divine or God or union or one, no, you wake up and you say, I want to experience the truth, whatever that is. And you're suddenly willing to take risks. You're suddenly like, I don't care. I don't give a shit anymore. If my experience conforms to this or that, I want 
an authentic experience of the truth, the ground of my own being. Yeah. And in some ways, religion, religious system structures set you up for that. Right. But one of the one of the problems is is that religion doesn't oftentimes doesn't tend to be mature enough to say mm-hmm. we sent, we were like a trap door hoping yeah. at some point you would fall through the trap door or we you know we were we took you out on this boat mm-hmm. out on the water but the point is that you got to learn how to swim on uh, you're, you know, yeah. but most most religious, especially immature uh, churches and spiritual environments, say never leave the boat. Right. It's not about swimming. Someone else swam for us. His name is Jesus, mm-hmm. and or whatever, or, or, or Allah, you, or fill in the blank. You take you take a phrase like "go forth and do likewise" as, um, <laughs> "go stop sinning and be a good person," as opposed to. Go do everything I just did. This is the story of me. Now you got to go make your own story. You yeah. Know? Well, go Be- forth. Go. Go. Like, that's. A, I, I've said this before, but the phrase "take up your cross" is so interesting to me because it's on the one hand one of the very phrases that tends to create a kind of psychic abuse, <laughs> mm-hmm. where you get these sort of like false martyrdom, sort of um, servant-oriented. Well, I'm just bearing this thing for Jesus. But but the phrase is. The phrase, take up your cross, is that you have something to do. Yeah. You cannot take up Jesus's cross. I always think the point is not to be like Jesus. There's something about him that mm-hmm. um, that maybe we all on one level mm-hmm. connect with on the, in terms of cosmic Christ and or cosmic Christ consciousness that's uh, transpersonal. But mm-hmm. you only have your particular cross. Yeah. And that's like taking you out on the boat and shoving you off and saying, you, you figure out how to swim now. Mm-hmm. And... Once you are in the water mm-hmm. and in the swimming and, and beginning to f- – you're, you're all of a sudden not drowning anymore. Yeah. You're doing the doggy paddle. You may be able to look back and say, oh, yeah, something of my experience resonates, harmonizes with some of the symbols and metaphors that, were, that the people are worshiping back in the boat. And yeah. it might also be the case, and, it's, and some of them aren't. Well, and I, I think of it just as simply as um... – Go live, go live a life that's you feel like is story worthy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, here's a really great story. This is you know, one of the archetypes. It doesn't mean you're going to you know have millions of people worshiping you two thousand years from now and everybody's chronicling your story. But if you can look back and say, actually, I lived something that was a great story mm-hmm. too, and, and and on the sense of you know one of the great. Uh, spiritual stories or soulful stories, not just the like, you know, I bought a plane. I had, you know, when I was 60 years old, my girlfriend was 25. Like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> something that's actually like, wow, that resonates um, for me that I was here. Yeah. Like those stories that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. We probably. All right. That's it. That's it. I mean, we covered a, a lot of stuff. We never really did the sort of like, why are we here thing, but. No, I don't think you have to do that anymore. I listened to that and it kind of felt like unnecessary. Oh, go. It's my favorite part. <laughs>